Well, anyways, we're in a series right now called Last Words, and um, we're, we're trying to focus on the last words that Jesus said. Uh, there were six different statements that Christ made while he was on the cross, and I believe that um, if I know that my death is coming, the last few words that I have will be more intentional than probably anything else. Um, and from the cross, Jesus made some things that, some statements that are huge. Now, I think it's really dangerous for the most part that you should not base theology on any one verse. Um, when I hear people do that, it really just makes me nervous. Um, but I would say that the statements that Jesus made from the cross are worthy of the foundation of any theology that we have. And so um, I don't know what it is, but I feel like there are things that are, are hard to, to talk about or hard to like dive into, uh, but really it's, it's painful conversations and painful moments that really define us the most. And, and Christians, for some reason, avoid this conversation about the cross, but this is one that we should lean into more because it really could transform our life. Does that make sense? I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of the backstory because I don't know everyone here today. And then um, we'll read this passage together and get into what I have found to be a really difficult conversation. Jesus had uh, his supper with his dudes um, the night before he died. And he knew it was going to be his last night. And then after the supper, he, um, he went and prayed this prayer it sounded something like, Father, if, if, if you can pass this cup from me, uh, that'd be great. Um, but if it's your will, you know, I'll do it. Meaning really Jesus didn't want to do what was coming. It was terrifying to him, so much so that the scripture said that he sweat blood um, because of the agony that was he, the, the, just knowing what was about to happen to him in his body. We believe Jesus is God, right? The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Trinity, so what he was about to come on him was not deserving. Um, and so uh, that night, he was arrested. And uh, as the guards came, he said, you know, they, they, they were looking for Jesus. And he said, I am he, meaning like, I'm the guy that you came to arrest. He, he knew he was going to be arrested. He knew what was going to happen. And he laid his life down. No one took his life. He gave it. Coffee, black coffee. It's always good for a moment when you're about to cry. Um, so um, the next morning, uh, he went to the governor and the governor really didn't want Jesus to be crucified. He was kind of really trying to find a reason to get out of it. He thought maybe it'd be best if, um, if we just have him flogged, you know? Uh, cat of nine tails, 39 times, that ought to do the trick. Get these crowds to calm down. You have to understand the crowds that wanted him to be dead those same people uh, took their shirts off their back and hailed him as the Messiah just a couple days before. Just, yeah, five days before. They took palm branches down and laid him on the road because he was too worthy to, to walk on dirt. They, they, they worshiped him. They honored him as the Messiah. And so uh, the governor had him flogged and that wasn't enough for the priests and everyone that knew that if Jesus really was Lord, then their jobs would be on the line. I mean, everything would change. Everything that they tried so hard to build would be torn down. And so they had him killed. And he carried that cross for you and me. 
Um, he willingly walked it all the way up to Calvary where he laid his hands down on that, on that wooden cross and they allowed them to put spikes in his hands and feet. And there he was stripped naked and hung there for uh, many theologians believe um, wasn't as long as six hours, somewhere in between three and six hours. It was, would have been the amount of time that his body could endure because he was already nearly beat to death. Does that make sense? I'm giving you some of this background because we're going to take communion here in a little bit. But um, that leads us into this passage right here. Y'all with me? Would you stand to your feet? We're going to read a lot here from the book of Luke. The book of Luke. And now we're in Luke 23, verse 32, where it says, Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And when they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scuffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. And they called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. And a sign was fasted above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, You're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to, to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is one of the other six statements that Jesus made. He said, I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. It's awesome. By this time it was noon and darkness fell over the whole land until three o'clock. And the light uh, from the sun was gone and suddenly there was a curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for not giving up on me. I thank you that you're here right now. I thank you that you live more courageously than any of us in this room. And your life and the call of God on our lives calls out to us because of you. Thank you for your words. Help me to share them today. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> I don't know why I get all weird. 
It's kind of embarrassing, though, because I don't know a lot of you, you know? So I don't do this all the time, just like every Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's good theology right there, and I don't like it. They did know what they were doing. Because the very insults that they're hailing at him were the praises that they praised the week before. So we're talking about this here. We're going to go over these three statements that Jesus said here today. But I want to focus on the first one probably the most. So you have to understand while we're talking today about Jesus being crucified, I'm also talking about you being crucified. It's your calling. The highest call of God in your life is to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you're not going to know the love of God. You're not going to know God if you don't know why he died. He died for you. Yesterday, we were trying to buy some squirt guns for these kids at the outreach. And uh, we told them what we were doing. And the lady, she was so cute. She started just yelling about how great God was and how Jesus died for her. So I'm cashing these things out. She's telling everyone in the grocery store that Jesus died on the cross for all of you. And so wonderful what these people are doing here today because he died for me. And if I was the only person in this world, he would die for me. And he would die for you just to, and it was just like so beautiful what was coming out. And she's just telling the whole stinking store. I was like, man, I love that. But you know, if you, um, you don't understand that he loves you. But what's crazy is also like he's calling you to, oh, we're going to go over on time. I can already tell. I'm way more emotional than I'm supposed to be. And so I'm already off subject. <laughs> In fact, can you just take the timer down? That'd be way helpful. That'd be super helpful. Father, forgive them. Well, Paul said that I was crucified with Christ, right? Nevertheless, not I to live, but Christ that lives in me. And so as I'm reading this verse, I'm reading this verse, I'm reading this verse, I'm reading this verse, and what I know that I know that I know is that I would not have the ability to say this. Father, forgive them. Maybe um, you're better than me, but I avoid pain at all cost. Um, physical pain, I don't really enjoy it a whole lot. Uh, I don't sign up for it uh, ever. Uh, I'm avoiding going to the dentist to this day uh, because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sissy. And um, uh, emotional pain is even more difficult. Uh, and uh, the pain that Jesus was put on with the sin of the world put on him, it's even more difficult, but I can only imagine that the emotional pain that he was wearing in this moment when he had the crazy strength to pray for forgiveness for people, maybe one of the worst kinds of pains that I uh, avoid at all costs the most is shame. I just don't like, like, I don't like it. Like anytime I get embarrassed, I just try to like dodge it. Do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? I come up with an excuse. Oh, I, it wasn't really my fault, you know. It was, I was, it was, it was a train that, that uh, <laughs> was late. 
But Jesus was stripped naked in front of his mom, in front of his friends. They took his clothes off and hung them up there. Remember, he laid his life down. And he knew what was coming. But it's weird how the people that praised him were the ones that turned their backs on him. And as he's praying, Father, forgive them, it's a prayer that we have to figure out how to get better at. My first point today is about forgiveness. Because it's something we're not good at. As believers, we say we are. But we have these little things that we pick up from these world, the little traits, you know, like what goes around comes around. You know, and if what they didn't, well, they're going to get theirs. Don't you worry. That's not the heart of our Savior. And so we allow them out there to affect us more than the love that. When I'm looking at this verse, I, I see a couple different points. I think of the end first, you know, like when I'm in a situation um, when something bad's happening, I, I, I maliciously hold it against them because I, I think, well, they, they knew what they were doing when they, when they, when they did that to me, you know, when they, um, when they lied to me or they rejected me or they didn't follow through on their promise, they're a liar. And now I want to guard my heart against those types of people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Today, I want to talk about like the hurt that happened to you as I'm looking at the hurt that happened to him. Because while I recognize it was physical pain, it was also like the sin of the world. And it was like wrongdoing. There was like broken promises. What broken promises, Pastor Tim? Well, I think about like maybe he's praying for the soldiers that crucified him. And maybe he's praying for the people that are laughing at him. Or maybe he's praying for Peter who promised him last night that he would be with him all the time and he would follow him anywhere he went and somehow just said, like, I forgot already. Like, I don't even know who you are, Jesus. And I've done that this week. I promised the Lord I would never act like that again. Broken promise. And so, um, Jesus, uh, or maybe it was Judas, you know? He didn't understand integrity. Just, maybe it was Judas felt like he was doing the right thing. But I know that Jesus' best friends walked out on him. And I know it's happened to you, and I know you've got some wounds because of it. And, um, oh, uh, I'm just going to fast forward and come back to this point. Is that all right? So some part of the way I was going to do it, but we're going to do it differently right now. I'm just going to go to the next thought and come back to forgiveness. The first point is forgiveness. The second point is grace. So as I'm reading the same story, um, it said that uh, but the other criminal, right? The one criminal is looking over and he's, he's laughing at Jesus. Feels like he can relate to the guy who's supposed to be better than him, but the other guy looks over and he, he says, don't you fear God even when you're being sentenced to die? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this is just so powerful, church. He said, I assure you, today, you will be with me in paradise. 
This is powerful for a lot of reasons. One, I think just because of the amount of grace that Jesus gives. Now, you will, the story and the love of Jesus will only be a story unless you've ever been loved and received grace. But when you know that you know that he paid for your sins, something different happens. When it was a gift that was for you, or when it was different when Jesus died for the world, it's cute. But when Jesus died for me, it's awesome. It was my price. And Jesus looked over at the man on the cross that deserved to be there. And he made him a promise that the guy didn't deserve. See, the Lamb of God, Jesus, hanging on the cross didn't deserve to be there. I did. And when you don't realize, we justify how good we are by the good things we've done, forgetting the shady things that we've done. But you're not a thief because um, you steal millions of things. You're a thief because you steal one thing. You're not a liar because you lie all the time. You're a liar because you lied once. You're not a criminal because you go out and just murder. Like, you know, like, like it only takes one thing to, to, to make you evil and separate you from God. And Jesus handed this guy eternal life in a moment who simply didn't deserve it. But when I look at this, again, I find more theology in the cross than almost anything else that I think calls out to me and you is the power of Jesus being able to say, looking over at this guy and he says, hey dude, today, not tomorrow, not next year, not in a thousand years, today, you will be with me in paradise. I find that to be so powerful. I know that there are people here today that struggle with the fear of death. And I just want to jump on that today and say, I rebuke that in the power, in the name of Jesus. What you need to know is that only Jesus has the authority and the power to tell you that you'll be with him in his kingdom. But what I love is that Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. A moment we close our eyes in this world, we, we awaken. What I, I, I wonder what it must have been like for that thief to see that naked guy next to him all jacked up and bloody and messed up in glory a moment later. I can't wait. I, that song was so good, man. We were singing it. The, ah, can't even sing. Okay, I'm not going to sing it. Um, but one of the top 10 moments of my life, if I, if I can think of like some of the most powerful things that ever happened without exaggeration would be the moment that, um, my dad passed my dad. Um, I, I was 22. My dad died. He died really young. Um, you know, my dad used a lot of drugs and he drank really heavy, um, his whole life. And so he died of all of his organs shut down and, um, he didn't know the Lord and he didn't really know me but I got an opportunity to go and visit a guy that I hated most of my life because he abandoned my family, because he was abusive. Uh, and I had an opportunity to go and sit with him. And in that moment, I loved him. I don't understand how like I hated him my whole life, but I forgave him. And we sat together and I remember holding his hand and he couldn't squeeze mine. And I remember saying, dad, I love you because Jesus loves me. And I want you to know that we can hang out together 
We could see each other. We could be friends. Not because of anything that I can give you today, but because of the, the promise that Jesus has. If you, if you just confess that Jesus is the Lord of your life, you shall be saved, the Bible says. For what, so I held his hand, and I remember praying with him, and I remember the tears running down his cheeks. He couldn't talk anymore. And I can only tell you the most supernatural thing that's ever happened. It was like, I'm, I've seen miracles and crazy things. But the peace of God that flooded the room when he took his last breath was so supernatural. I've seen it now a lot of times when people pass. When, the, when it's just the body laying there and their spirit exits. And they're with Jesus. It's glorious. I I always wish that I can see what's really in the room, you know? Like if I had eyes. Today, you will be with me in paradise. What a savior. What a Lord. I love that he loves me. I love that I'm on his team now, you know? (laughs) It's good. Sorry. (laughs) I'm really a dork, mostly. But I got to go backwards and look at, um, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Because, um, you know, he gave that guy grace. But I want you to know he expects the grace that he gave you, you to give to others. So what he's doing on the cross is he has this crazy selflessness in a moment where all of us would have been selfish. I mean, I don't want to speak for you. I would have done what I could have done to clothe myself and come down off that cross maybe. But he's displaying to us how we're supposed to live when he's praying for forgiveness for those that are trying to insult him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And let me show you this. First thing he says, you don't know what they're doing, but they did know what they were doing. And the people that hurt you probably knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing because they literally hung a sign over his head and said he's the king. These were the same people that put the branches down, that took off their shirts and hailed him. He said, Father, they don't know what they're doing, um, but I love that he prayed for them. And this is the trick. If you want to know how to forgive someone, you pray for them. Now, I want to make sure you understand this. This is not my theology. This is not my favorite things. In fact, I would find, honest to God, it's easier for me to empty my bank account for someone than it is sometimes for me to forgive someone. It's difficult, especially when they're a jerk. Um, I, I don't like them. But Jesus told me in his word, in Matthew chapter 6, something that I believe is important for you to understand that should be part of your theology that he displayed on the cross of Calvary for you. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, or 14, I'm sorry, he said this. Um, If you forgive those who sin against you, then your heavenly Father will forgive you. But... If you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. 
well, I don't like that, Lord. And it doesn't make sense because you don't know what they did to me. Let me just tell you something the Lord showed me this week that we do as people. It's easier for us to see it wrong in the world, but we have a hard time seeing it in ourselves. I think what happens is that we as the church isolate incidences and say that this situation had more gravity than what Jesus was talking about in this situation. Um, It was a one-off, and this person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. But this is what we do as a government. We make laws and pass them into like forever based on 1% of our population. We'll make a bad law that everyone fits into because of one person needed it. Like not even 1%, like, like 0.01% of people fell into this category and now it's a law and it should affect everyone. But it's, it's not the way it should be and that's not the way you should do. Because the reality is the majority of people didn't do to you what that 1% of persons did to you. But yet you put it into a law in your heart and hold it against that individual and now other people to protect yourself from actually being like Christ and embracing the person that did you wrong. When people hurt us, we protect ourselves and say, no more will I let someone like that do this to me. But where did you learn that type of theology? We learned it from the world, but we didn't learn it from Jesus. If you forgive others, then you too will be forgiven. But if you refuse, understand this church, then you will not be forgiven. There's not a lot of suggestion in that. There's not a lot of like open to like debate. Just want to make sure you know that the guy who actually gives us salvation is saying like, this is kind of a big deal. The key that Jesus found, I think, in the way that we forgive, what is forgiveness, I think um, is that Jesus actually just prayed. I want you to know that a lot of the things that happened to you, while it may have been physical, it may have been emotional, it, um, it really is spiritual now. It hurts you in the soul, in your emotions. It may have been your dad may have been your mom, may have been a pastor, may have been a teacher, may have been a family member, may, may have been a, an employee. But when someone does you wrong, it gets you in like a, oh man, how do I not let that happen to me ever again? The reason why I think it's important is Jesus knew that you can't deal with that stuff in the natural. You've got to do it. You got, you got to pray. So Jesus said like, Father, forgive them. Because the more that you begin to pray for those that hurt you, the easier it is for you to forgive them. And I was thinking, what the heck is forgiveness? I went to Webster and I was like, that's worthless. Just in its basis form. I mean, every time we use the word forecast, we're talking about the weather that's going to happen, right? Or foretell is to tell what's going to happen or for something. I don't know. What's, it's what's going to happen, right? Forgive is to literally give someone 
their future. It's to give them goodwill. It's to give them instead of cursing them and their future. Because when they do you wrong, what you do is you, you don't mean to, you just choose to not be a blessing to them anymore. You, it's almost like wishing ill of them because of what they've done to you. You're returning ill. For, does that make sense? But we want to give them a future. We want to give them Christ's love. We want to be a blessing to people because that's what we're receiving, right? The guy on, hold on, I'm sorry. I'm going long. And so, uh, no, I'm not. We're stuck. Wow, we're doing pretty good here. Praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> that was good. What we received was grace. We must make sure that what we're giving is grace. Because if we didn't receive the love that we got, why is it that we would not give the same kind of love? This is not a suggestion. If we're a Christ follower, we must forgive everybody that hurt us, even in the worst kinds of ways. Some of the most glorious stories that you find about forgiveness you can find on YouTube, right? We love these distant stories. But really, the best story that you're going to have on forgiveness is yours. And it'll be so powerful. Forgiveness. Matthew chapter 5 also says this. Matthew 6 said, if you forgive others, then I'll forgive you. Matthew chapter 5 says, if you heard the law say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who are persecuting you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of the Father in heaven. It makes it easier to forgive others when you begin asking God to bless them. Pray for those that persecute you. Pray blessing over them. And you'll notice your heart just softening and changing. Y'all with me? Cool. First point today is forgive others. Second point is know that the grace uh, of, that Jesus is trying to just give to us as a promise today that you'll have eternal life. And the last one that I look at here is this supernatural thing going on that Jesus does when he prays from the cross. Um, by the, uh, verse 44, by this time it was noon and darkness fell across the whole land until it was three o'clock and light from the sun was gone and suddenly a curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn from down from middle. What you have to understand is that the curtain in the temple was the only place that the Israelites believed that the presence of God dwelt in its most pure sacred form. And when that temple tore because Jesus died, it was a symbol of his spirit being poured out throughout the earth and being accessible to us and not just overly holy people like. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, um, and then suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary was torn down the middle and Jesus shouted this, Father, I entrust you with my spirit in your hands. And then he breathed his last. Okay, um, I did this in the first service, and, I, and I, I don't know. I just felt like after I was done, like it just, I didn't say it right. So I'm just going to take my time and try to say it better. It's the, it's the hardest thing in the world to be a communicator on behalf of God. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> who signs up for that, you know? Uh, most of the time, you know, none of us are adequate. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Can we do that? Can we pass out the elements? That'd be great. That's a good, that's a good transition. Jesus said, I entrust you with my spirit. I think it's the hardest place, thanks, Brandy, for us to trust God is really with our spirit, with our soul, with the things that, with our fears and the things that we got going on inside of us. You know, a lot of you are wrestling with where you are right now. Some of you, maybe your marriage or your finances or like where God's gonna take you in your life. But when you, you need to know and make sure that you hear this. Once you give your life to Jesus, it's not your life anymore. That's the call of the cross to deny yourself and to follow him. And so like some of you, I joked this morning, like you may be in prayer this morning and God's saying, I'm calling you to Arkansas, Arkansas. That's, no one signs up for that. So if the Lord says like you're, again, then it's, it's the Lord, trust me. Um, but what I know in that my life is, is and maybe my soul, my, my life has taught me that I should not trust the Lord but my soul has not, like, it, my soul wants to have intimacy and trust the Lord. But there's so much that makes it difficult to trust God, especially with people, especially with the Lord. Like, with your finances, some of you are wrestling. I don't know if I can give this to the Lord. I don't know if I can trust God. What if I let this go? I'll be, I'll be without this, you're, you're, you, money should be the easiest thing to ever trust God with. Like, you're, you're going to make more. It's going to come back around. Like, just trust me. But what if I, like, what about my calling? Or what about, like, if, what if I tell these people with the Lord? Like, there's so much inside of us that's hard to trust Jesus with. But what if you don't trust God? To trust is to love. Without trust, there is not love. There's hurt, there's yuck, there's all kinds of things. But we learn love when, when we're learning how to trust. And when Jesus has this ability to say, I, I trust you with my spirit, and he gave his life, and he, and he wasn't here no more. I just want you to know that it's that same calling that he's calling you to trust him with your heart, with your career, with your education, with your children, with, with your finances. Like with, there's so many layers of things that God is saying, will you trust me? And I see this in the cross, like this vulnerability. Can you imagine? I'm sorry, I know some of you guys are spacing out right now, but I gotta call you back because this is everything. He's hanging on a cross. He cannot breathe anymore. He is literally drowning in his blood. And his last words are, I trust you. <laughs> what? What? That's love. And I, I pray that that's your song today to the Lord. Father, I trust you. With my soul and with everything in my life, I trust you. Next week, uh, we're going to continue this series, and we're going to talk about how really complicated it was for him to say that because of everything that was going on inside of him. We're going to talk about what was really happening inside of him. It wasn't the pain. It was the sin that was put, well, our sin was put on him. And 
the confusion that that brought. Man, it's going to be, next week's a powerful one. Um, would y'all do me a favor and uh, uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. We talked about forgiveness today. Um, uh, we talked about grace, but I want to talk about you and Jesus first. Jesus said, I trust you uh, with my spirit. When he looked over at that criminal on the cross, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I just want to make sure that you'll join us. The scripture says that anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Today you're here and you'd say you don't know that you know that if you died, you'd be in heaven. I just want you to know based on everything that I know about the promise of Jesus. That's the most powerful thing on earth. That he will fulfill what he said in your life. And if you don't know where your eternal destination will be, that can change right now by you making Jesus the Lord of your life. And every head bow and every eye closed today, you recognize that Jesus died for you and he rose again. And today you want to follow him for the rest of your life. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Jesus, I want to be in heaven with you for the rest of my life. I want to serve you for all the days of my life. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand, sir. What a promise, huh? So anyone else, you say, Pastor, I ain't living right, but I got to make some changes right now. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. The second thing, some people here, you've been hurt. Maybe it was a family member or a friend. Maybe it was a church member. Maybe it was a coworker. Some people have done some shady things to you. And today it's, it's like God's identifying you, saying you need to let go. You've known the love of God, but now he's asking you to show it to someone else. Today, will you forgive? Someone, if I'm talking to you with every head bowed and every eye closed, will you raise your hand? Today, I'm going to forgive, Pastor. God bless you. Hands all around the room. There's 20, 30 people. It's beautiful. And what's so good is just like that, I'm just going to ask you, it starts with a decision. It's a process. But when you start praying for that person by name, you'll see that you were the prisoner the whole time. And it'll set you free. And joy will come back into your life in such a powerful way. It's the coolest thing in the world to be set free from unforgiveness. Jesus. Father, I pray right now for everyone that raised their hand that wants to know you as their Lord and for those that are choosing that you're the Lord and we're going to forgive some people. Lord, that you would show us your love for me. Even right now, I pray your Holy Spirit would descend in this room. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've lied. I've stolen. I've cheated. I've come into my life. 
teach me to walk in your ways. Empower me to love you the way you love me and teach me, Lord Jesus, to love others the way you've loved me.